You're listening to. Welcome back to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yu. And it's the end of March. Thank you for joining us for our month-end podcast. Yeah, we, we kind of forgot to do a mid-month episode. We didn't forget. I got super busy. You so did. I've How was the conference, by the way? The conference was amazing. Okay. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I guess, um, I... I am the managing director of Collaboration, a nonprofit organization that supports Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. And last weekend, we held a two-day conference here in LA by and for Asian American creatives, um, featuring panels by showrunners, directors, producers, musicians, journalists, journalists. Like we had two days, twenty-five sessions, almost seventy-five speakers. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, and um, I was in charge, so. Yes, so Marvin has been or was very busy. I was very MIA. So for those of you waiting for the March book news, I apologize. But um, but also there there hasn't been that many uh, book deals that came out this month, or at least in in Asian American uh, literature, at least. That's good. We planned that. Yeah, we totally planned that for this month. <laughs> It's funny because like February is a much shorter month, but there were so many book deals. Yeah. So I, it comes in spurts, really. Yeah. So um, really quickly before we get into our discussion of our March book club pick, which is Darish the Great is Not Okay by Adip Karam, uh, we're going to quickly review some of the biggest announcements over the last month um, with a quick book news segment. Um, starting with congratulations to Samir Ahmed on her novel Interment for reaching number four on the New York Times YA hardcover bestsellers list. Congratulations. It's much deserved. I've heard great things about Internment, and I'm really excited to read it. So this is the good Internment. Oh, it's book, the right? good. Uh, what was what was that? <laughs> the, re- non, the non-problematic American one? Heart is that is that what it was called? I don't remember, but we did a podcast episode on it and mm. how um, utterly racist and misinformed it was. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that uh, Internment is doing so well, um, especially with the current. Uh, this past month with like New Zealand and and like a lot yeah. of the hate crime that has happened, it's really nice to see um, a a book that features a Muslim protagonist and uh, touching on like really important political issues and having it accessible to young readers. Yeah, teach them while they're young, <laughs> so they don't <laughs> grow up to be terrible people. <laughs> uh, one can only hope. The future could be bright if we want it to be. I don't know. I'm, I'm a really <laughs> cynical person, but I do believe in the young people. I, I hope they fix all of our problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, we have Netflix will be adapting Nidhi Chanani's best-selling graphic novel, Peshmina, into an original CG animated musical, according to Deadline. Um, Netflix has teamed up with Bend It Like Beckham director Gurinder Chadha, her longtime standing writing partner, Paul Mayeda Bergs, and Hyde Park Entertainment CEO, Ashok Amritaj. I hope I said that correctly. Probably not, but I apologize. Uh, Pashmina follows uh, Priyanka, a first-generation American of Indian descent, as she explores her family history with the help of a magical Pashmina. This sounds delightful. And Gurunachata is... A really good. She actually has a new film coming out soon called Blinded by the Light, which just played at Sundance. Oh, I heard great things about yeah, it. Yeah. Basically, about a Pakistani teen in Margaret Thatcher, England, who discovers Bruce Springsteen and it changes his life. It's a very delightful film. Uh, well, I, I am glad that it is being made into a musical. Um, it's probably going to wash out the really bad taste from um, Aladdin. I like I saw the trailer for that and I was like, oof. I oof. think it could be. now that the shock of Blue Will Smith has has washed away. I I don't know. I don't know. It, it just like from the costuming, it just 
seems like they didn't do that much research That's, into like well, authenticity. I understand that it's a Disney film, but like it's, it's set also, in a real place. It's also I mean. the Disney version of Aladdin, which if you know uh, the history of that was um basically the um the legwork the designers did to for the design aesthetic was to go to a Las well, Vegas convention, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard the story. Well, congratulations to Nidhi Chanani for uh getting her graphic novel picked up by Netflix. We're very excited to see that. Yeah. Netflix has been really nailing the uh the Asian American like film adaptations of of books. I think they have the freedom to, I guess, to try out a lot of different things that the studio system aren't willing to. Yeah. Um, I know the the Ghost Bride that, that we announced last time, that's one of their first projects for their Netflix Asia unit. Yeah. And you know, if that does well, then we can see more of those stories come out too. Yeah. I'm really glad that was picked up by the Asia unit and not like the American, <laughs> like not by an American production company. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, next up, Levantine Films recently optioned rights to Tahare Mafi's A Very Large Expanse of Sea, which is set one year after 9-11 and follows a 16-year-old Muslim girl, Shirin, who, in the face of discrimination, perseveres thanks to the love of breakdancing and her own inner strength. Another book that reached the New York Times bestsellers list, and it's it's great. This would make an awesome film, kind of like Step Up. I was about to step say Step Up to step Racism. Up, you know? Step Up to Racism. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the title of of this episode. Someone get John Chu to direct this. Oh my god, that would be great. <laughs> Um, Reba, what kind of book deals are we looking at? All right. So first book deal on our list is Page Street has acquired world rights to Adiba Jagirdar's The Henna Wars. Uh, pitched as when Dimple Metrishi meets Simon versus the Homo Sapiens agenda, the rom-com is about two teen girls with rival henna businesses who fall in love. The book is tentatively planned for spring 2020. And finally, Europa Editions acquired North American rights to three novels by Japanese writer Mieko Kawakami. Her first novel, Breast and Eggs, won an Akutagawa Prize and sold over 250,000 copies in Japan. The book explores womanhood in contemporary Japan and what it looks like for women to have a child outside the framework of a heterosexual partnership. North American publication is planned for 2020. Um, yeah, so Haruki Murakami, he highly praised uh, Breast and Eggs. So um, apparently it is very popular among yeah. among Japanese readers. And it's nice that um, we get to hear, you know, Japanese stories that are outside of like a cis straight <laughs> <laughs> narrative, I guess. I don't know if it's romance, but... Um, but it is nice to to see queerness yeah. in in Japanese novels. I agree. Looking yes. forward to seeing uh, seeing that out here in the states. Um, and yeah, that'll do it for our uh, quick book news and book deal section. If you know of any other book deals or news that we may have missed in this segment, please um, let us know in the Goodreads forums. And for everyone joining us for the first time, we have a Goodreads group where we talk about the books that we read every month and talk amongst ourselves. We have a few new members that just joined the past couple months, probably thanks to the fact that we were on a couple more lists and we actually broke a thousand followers on Twitter Yay! It's a very big moment because neither Rira or myself have that many followers in our personal accounts. I mean, I don't expect to in my <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> so to have one in like books and boba, which is technically our child, you know, yeah, it's very we're very proud, very proud parents of yes. of this podcast. And thank you all for who are listening in and um, who are reading along with us. Yeah, it's it's encouraging because we are such a niche within a niche. And it's like, <laughs> oh, there's more than 10 people who are listening to us. It's always really encouraging. Yeah. Um, but on that note, um, we're here to talk about our March 2019 book club pick. Darius the Great is not okay. Or should we say Darush? Um, either one works. <laughs> um, I called him Darius when I was reading the book, but That's it might true. be Darius. It. Honestly, I don't know. Names are a thing. Names are weird Name, when uh, you're uh, reading a book because you don't <laughs> like in Harry Potter. Like I didn't know it was Hermione, mm. so like th the entire time, Hermione, Hermione, <laughs> Hermione. <laughs> names names are are tricky when you're reading. Yeah, um, by a deep quorum. I guess a quick content warning: we're going to be discussing um, topics like clinical depression and 
maybe even touch on suicidal ideation, um, mm-hmm. which were themes in this book. Um, so just a quick heads up, that probably will come up. Um, but opening thoughts, I really enjoyed this book. It was a, as a lot of people have said, as Rira herself has said, it's a good refresher after the denseness of Grace, Grace of, of Kings. Kings. Um, it was a pretty, like, it was a pretty breezy read. Um, and I really enjoyed just not having to, I mean, there's a lot to think about, but not having to keep track of a billion characters. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes. The the cast was much more manageable yeah. this time around. And also, I was really surprised when I uh, when I was reading it, how, how quickly it went by. Because I was like, oh, shoot, it's only been two hours, but I'm like halfway into the book already. <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of surprised it took so long for them to actually get to Iran. Right? I don't know. It, it seemed to happen pretty quickly. In in my opinion, mm. um, I mean, it took like a good two three chapters, right? I guess eh, that's a pretty good wind up. Eh. <laughs> yeah, around like fifty pages. Okay, which is like maybe it felt a little bit longer to me. Uh, but it's you know I was reading on a Kindle, so I have I had no no concept of what page we were on. Really, your your Kindle doesn't have the page number. Progressor. It's position number, right? Or is it? I, I mean, I guess it's different for each book. Some <laughs> some books have page numbers, other mm. books don't. It took me halfway through where I realized I could set the font to be smaller too, so I can read more stuff in one page. I don't like doing that. I like having my text big on my uh, Kindle, so it feels like it's going by quick quicker. Uh, I like having it small so I can like feel like I'm reading a book. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What, what what are your initial thoughts about it? My initial thoughts. Um, so I heard that this book has a character who has clinical depression and his father has clinical depression. Mm. So as someone with depression, I was very apprehensive because mm. I always get nervous when um, when I start reading a book about characters who have depression because I'm I'm always worried about misrepresentation like what if they don't get my mental illness right I know it's a spectrum but like I also want it to be somewhat realistic I also don't want it to be um harmful for people who do take medication and like have it be judgmental right. and also it's it, it's also the fear of oh they got it too accurately because i live with my mental illness every single day so i really don't want to like deep dive into into that i already i already know how it feels to to be depressed and have this uh this persistent melancholy throughout my life and and it's just like it was so i was apprehensive but i was surprised by how comfortable i was maybe it's because um i went in prepared and and also, like, the book didn't really um, focus so much on the depression. Like, it was part of Darius and his father's life, but mm-hmm. it wasn't so much, like, their mental illness didn't define them. It was just like, this is something that we have and we kind of have to cope with, but we have other things that define us, such as with Darius, it's his love of tea and he's an awkward teen boy. And there were just like so many things about him that was more than his illness. So I was really comfortable reading it. That's good. I'm I'm glad that it passed the Rira test, I I guess. Um, Because I was thinking that as well, because like there was like a period of time in my young adulthood where I felt down, but I don't think it was to the point where it was like clinical depression. Where, where you yeah. would need medication. Yeah. So like I can recognize some of the feelings, but I also recognize that people with clinically diagnosed depression, like experience on a whole different level than, than yeah. what I had experienced myself. Right. Uh, yeah. And it was interesting to see, cause you're reading through his thought process during his, you know, his interactions and it really does put you in the shoes of someone who, as an outsider, you you know what he's thinking is not necessarily true. Yeah. I really like that, like you said, like it didn't really define him, but it was still was something he had to deal with. Like he had, like especially when he went to Iran, he had to like explain it to people, right? To yeah. People who did. And that's like another theme is like the cultural stigmas around mental yeah. illness, right? I, I probably will talk about that more <laughs> uh, later on yeah. in, in this talk because um, I don't want to start off like yeah. with something so heavy. But, but I will say uh, it was nice to see a character with uh, kind of like manageable depression because mm. we see like 
I read a lot of YA where the character is like so depressed to a point where they have to be either hospitalized or they uh, have to be on suicide watch. And it's like, yeah, like that kind of mental illness is really, really bad. And a lot of people have it. But a lot of people also have clinical depression where uh, they just kind of feel sad all the time and uh, they have to take medication to chemically trick their brain into uh, feeling like things are manageable. Yeah. It's also it's also really nice that like it described depression as not just being sad all the time. It's also like I I feel too many feelings and I'm emotional and um, I think. I think a lot of people believe that depression is just like, it's like, I'm sad and I want to, like, I don't want to be alive anymore. But really, it's just I feel I feel things all the time and it gets too intense. And I usually joke with my friends saying, I wish I was a robot because (laughs) because being being a human with uh, with depression is hard and I don't want to feel things. And maybe that's why because we talked about this a little bit before we started the podcast. Um, because something that is a constant thing that Darius does is um, say um <laughs> say um, but also treat everything as if he was a starship or a starship captain, mm-hmm. or like evasive maneuvers. Part of his character is also like he he's a huge turkey because of his dad, right? Yes. It's like this thing they share, and <laughs> especially when he first gets to Iran, he treats everything kind of like he's. On a starship mission. And right? I can understand because like you're in a country you've never been before and you're supposed to like know all this family history and know where you came from, but you honestly don't. So it's kind of like you're there. Like, because what I, what I understand from Star Trek is they go to different planets and just kind of like try to peacefully resolve uh, conflicts or, or, um, or explore or explore yeah. or to just observe and, yeah, I can understand why Darius would think that way. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we mentioned since we're since we're getting into that, like observing a culture that is not really something that you experience all the time. Yeah. I mean, what Darius goes through in this book is basically, I guess you can call it a rite of passage for a lot of immigrant diaspora children, which is returning to the motherland for the first time. Yeah. And you know, some of us wait till we're as old as Darius is to do it. Some of us did it constantly. Like, for me personally, I went back to Taiwan every summer until maybe high school. Mm-hmm. So that was my return. But I, I know some people who the first time back was when they were in their 20s. Yeah. Right. And and that's always really, uh, really different as well because you grow up with your parents telling you stories about where they came from. And then when you go to the motherland when you're in your 20s, well, the whole country has changed. Yeah. <laughs> the, the place that your parents have described to you doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I like how um, it was briefly mentioned how, um, like, the political situation in Iran and how the family was a little bit concerned on, like, traveling visas and um, just, like, like how like how bad things were. Like, they, they were kind of, like, concerned but once they got there they're like oh no life continued on there are people who get groceries there are people who go to school yeah because something about there's this family is they're they're not muslim right their their religion is like a a minority religion within yes the state right i don't remember the exact um it's like zora i'm butchering this i recognize it because it's you know one of the religions you could pick in sydney or civilization games oh my god um, marvin <laughs> So even then, it's you know their their family also sticks out within the mm-hmm. the motherland too. I think I, I was reading through this book and I was thinking, this is how every future fish out of water story should be. Like something like this, something like Crazy Rich Asians, which is about diaspora Americans returning to the motherland. Because I would much rather hear those stories than like another immigrant eat pray love. You know, oh, eat pray love. <laughs> you know, or you know, which is why I'm excited for I love. I love you so mochi by oh. Sarah Kuhn because you have a Japanese American character who goes to Japan mm. and it's like, yes, more stories like that, please. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he really does. I don't know if you say he finds himself, but he finds confidence in who he is, right? Because yes. the first few chapters, the first 50 pages is about his life in, in Portland, Portland. Um, which, you know, is very white. 
I've never been to Portland, so from, I wouldn't know. <laughs> from all accounts. And he is bullied for being different, for being – like he is not – I mean, stereotypically, he is the type of person that media paints as the victim of bullying, right? Slightly overweight, super nerdy, mm-hmm. is a little awkward, right? Yes. The thing is, nowadays, kids probably won't get picked on for being nerdy or liking Star Trek. In mm. fact, that is like – you know, being cool nowadays. I wish that was the Is thing it? when I was growing up, but <laughs> no. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, like kids who are really into like Star Trek or Doctor Who, they're seen kind of as like cool and like more knowledgeable. Well, with like the the, the age of YouTube and having like that's geek true. Culture, yeah. it's, you have much more cool people being geeky. Yeah. Um, but I think. Uh, for Darius, he's mainly bullied because he is socially awkward. He is overweight due to medications mm-hmm. and uh, to the fact that he is also like fractional Persian. That was like an interesting way to describe uh, him being mixed race in the book. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of his struggle when he was in Persia, right? Or when he was in Iran, formerly Persia. Um, and I think... Something that I guess the author did a good job with was making one of his bullies also Persian, right? Was he Persian? Was he Persian? I don't know. Oh. I just know that he was... Um, Chip, right? Yeah, Chip, yeah. whose real name is Cyprian. 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 Yeah. I read him as another brown kid, at least. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I liked how um, Darius called them the soulless minions of orthodoxy. <laughs> Like all these, all these like ways where he would describe things in geeky terms. Yeah, I mean it, that's it just his just, way of saying posers, right? It, it, it was really funny with like, it's like, oh, they're a Klingon, and I'm like, it's like I, I'm not a, I'm not a Trekkie. I know basic things, and that's about it. My, my fan, osmosis. My mostly, fandom yeah. is Doctor Who, so mm. yeah, I, I don't, I. I I'm only in that lane, unfortunately. <laughs> there are many lanes. You can be fans of a lot of things. I think people... Yes, yes, true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but I I don't really know that much about Star Trek, but uh, which was a little bit grating because I, I, was, <laughs> I was just like, oh, he's making all these references. I only know like basic things from... Um, from like my Star Trek knowledge. Well, I mean, this was a period piece too, right? This took place in like the nineties. I want to say was it was it the nineties or not? I don't know. They have an iPhone. That's true. It's not really the nineties. I think it was. Then never mind. My point is out the window because I was going to say Doctor Who didn't really catch on to like the the late aughts, right? But um, I'm probably wrong, so retract that statement. Uh, Yeah, yeah. so one of the things I really liked about uh, about the book was when, whenever Darius said, um, it was a sign of anxiety, his social anxiety, and him just having this constant fear of not having, not saying the right thing or saying it the wrong way, or just completely blanking out. And one of the scenes I really, really liked was when he meets his grandmother for the first time. And she pretty much was just like, oh, ask me anything. (laughs) And he says, I never knew how to talk to Mamu, even though I was happy to see her. And for me, I didn't go to Korea like every year like you. I made when I was younger, I I went like every year. And then as I like middle school, high school, it it kind of spanned to like two years, three years. And um, my Korean isn't as fluent as it should be and um with my grandparents i didn't really have the benefit of having social media growing up so it wasn't like there wasn't really skype at that time yeah like the most advanced way to talk to people was like through instant messaging of some of some sort you didn't do the whole phone card thing uh i did when i was younger Mm. but um it just got harder and harder to talking korean over the phone because when you're in person you can i I don't know like when you're in person it's a lot easier to communicate whereas like with the phone if you don't know a certain word it you kind of freeze up and you're like uh uh uh, i don't know um so like i grew up not really not really close to my grandparents so like i can totally understand that feeling of like you meeting um 
you meeting your grandparents for the first time and you're just like, oh, I know this person like love me, but I don't really have a relationship with them. And uh, and just like the feeling of feeling of just like, oh, I want to ask so many questions, but I don't know where yeah. to start and I don't know how to ask. So I definitely related to uh, that sort of um, weird limbo that you're in when you're <laughs> stuck between two cultures and visiting your family in the motherland for the first time. And it's a struggle that he has because he he's the older child, but he's way less fluent in Farsi than his younger sister. And a lot of that is the way that he was raised, right? His mother didn't really think that he would need it. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was a really good scene, too. Yeah. There were a lot of really good scenes in this book. The one where his, his mother, like, apologized to him. Yeah, when yeah. they're, like, doing dishes and she apologizes saying, like, oh, I, you know, I should have raised you to know your um, heritage better, better um, teach you how to speak Farsi so you wouldn't feel like you're kind of lost in this country and feel like you you don't belong. Yeah. And, and it's not that he doesn't know because he actually knows a lot about the history because he, like, you learn a lot of, about it through him, right? Mm-hmm. There was a narration, but he does feel like it's, I know we're kind of jumping around, but it's a lot of the reasons why he feels a lot of jealousy towards his sister, right? Yes, I loved every single relationship in this book. Mm. And the sibling relationship was very, um, very interesting because clearly he's a really good brother. He is very sweet to his sister and they have like this really close relationship. Yeah, he's aware of like her moods and her, you know. Yeah. um, And but at the same time, he is jealous and um, he sees uh, Lale as kind of like his replacement Mm -hmm. it's kind of like oh my parents like you know fucked up with me and uh now they have a second chance and yeah and that that is like a common thing amongst siblings i think and probably like made worse by his 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 depression right yeah yeah yeah. i really liked how um that that tied in with him feeling like he's not good enough he's not persian enough because you have his younger sister who, you know, can speak Farsi fluently and everybody seems to, you know, warm up to her almost instantly. Yeah. And, you know, they're and then there's like the jealousy of like his dad. Like they have um they have a special relationship where they watch Star Trek every night mm-hmm. and uh Lale, you know, kind of joins in and yeah. he feels like he his like the one one thing that the he 46 had, minutes he has with his dad every day. Right? Yeah, like now it's gone. Yeah, and I thought that was like a really poignant scene. Yeah, I mean it, it leads to another one of the big climaxes, which is you know we have the scene where his mom apologized to him for like not teaching him Farsi, and then we have the scene where his dad apologized to him for like. Oh, you mean you mean the big scene where uh, yeah. they're like. Um, Darius has run away because Sorab said some hurtful words after yeah. a tragic, um, after receiving tra- tragic news, and yeah. um, and then Darius's father, St- Stephen, he, you know, he tells Darius that you know, I don't think you're a disappointment. Um, I'm just really worried that you know, one moment, like your depression will will take over and you will be in a dangerous situation, and that's why I'm always, you know pushing you here and there and it's not it's not because i i don't love you and yeah. um and i really liked how depression was uh depicted as a gen- uh, genetic trait that gets passed down because mm-hmm. that is true um if you have depression running in the family it's it, it it there's a high chance that you'll pass it on to your children yeah so like for Darius's father, he feels really guilty for passing down his mental illness, and um, yeah, it was it, like honestly, I I like started crying when I read that scene because because I was like, okay, this is a very emotional book. So I, I I like I I'm getting the feels, yeah. But then the dam broke when I like read that scene, and yeah. I started crying, and I was like, oh my god, I wish my relationship with my parents <laughs> were, were like this, where I can talk openly about yeah. my depression. But where he was saying like he it, like what was it the line? It kills him that he gave it to you. 
Yeah. It, yeah. it kills me that I gave it to you. Yeah. And I mean, it's explaining why, because one of like one of the big things that is weighing down on Darius is the fact that, like, at some point, his dad stopped loving him. Yeah, in his mind, because he stopped reading stories to him. He stopped like, like the only thing he had left of that that father son relationship was Star Trek Night. Yeah. Right, and even and now like, Lolly's taking that away from him too. Yeah. Right. Like I liked how, um, like his dad explained why he stopped reading stories to him. Yeah, and it was because uh, he his meds weren't working, and uh, he had to be on tranquilizers to, to in order to go to sleep, and um, and because of that, he was unable to tell stories. And by the time when the meds started working and he was tapering off the tranquilizers, Lale was born. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's a baby and he needs to take care of her. Um, like, her needs are much greater yeah. at that point. So it, it's already, like, Darius is old enough to to kind of, like, to, to kind of think that, to kind of make assumptions yeah. Being like, oh, my parents don't love me, and he stopped telling stories because he doesn't love me. And it was it was so nice that his dad was like, no, like I stopped telling you stories because my depression got too much, and by the time uh, I was able to be the father that I could be to you, it's like their relationship was already like awkward. Yeah. And it was still really nice that his dad told him, I love you every night, and... It was like it's kind of a contrast to his character because, like, from what I've read, Stephen is Ubermensch. Ubermensch. He's he's a man. <laughs> Teutonic, like. He's like... a manly man. <laughs> manly man who yeah. you know wants a son who can play sports and you know typical you know jock dad stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's not an Asian thing where like the parents are like, "Oh, I want you to," you know be a jock i want you to like play <laughs> i want you to be the best soccer or american football player you can be at your school i mean i think it's also the fact that he wants his son to be socially well adjusted to help with like his his you know his bullying his, yeah yeah like yeah that was really hard to read um in the in the beginning mm. where you don't really get a lot of um a lot of darius's dad's insights well you don't really get his insights but like you you like you're introduced to him as as this father who is who is a manly man (laughs) who um feel like who sounds like he is disappointed in his son all the time and how he gives darius's uh bulliers bullies no bullies yeah um the benefit of the doubt and saying like well you wouldn't be so bullied if like if you weren't overweight or if you actually stood up for yourself or stuff like that and yeah. and it's like wow that that is not okay like when i was reading it i was like eh, yeah. his dad kind of <laughs> seems like he sucks but my mind changed as i as i like got further into the book well you're seeing everything from his point of view too yes yeah um which is you know it was good it was fun to see that when they were in iran that his dad was just getting dunked on a lot by like the relatives yeah. but you can you can see I mean, you can see that they they didn't 100% approve of his father. Yeah. Who to him is like the paragon of like manliness, right? Yeah. And also it's just, uh, it's like, oh, you're, it's like my, my daughter was supposed to come back home mm-hmm. and, you know, she stayed in America and now I can't see my grandkids. Yeah. And, and of course, there's like a little bit of resentment there. Yeah. Um, it was funny that he was trying to grow a beard though to fit in. <laughs> <laughs> like it, like reading that part, like really reminded me of uh, the last time I went to Korea, which was um, which was right before we started this podcast. I had the day we had our first meeting was the day I came back from Korea and Japan. And oh, I was, was it? And I was just like, oh my god, I've been up since like <laughs> I've been up for like fourteen hours, and now we're now we're like doing. Right. Uh, this this episode, blah, blah blah blah. So if I if you listen to the first episode, I sound really tired because of that reason. <laughs> right. But but it reminded me of that trip because uh, Dan had gone with me, and Dan's white, and uh, for a lot of my 
a lot of my family members. It was like their first time actually spending that much time with with a non Asian person. Right. So it was like really interesting because、uh, I I initially thought like my my family would just kind of disapprove and be、mm. like, oh, why didn't you? Why didn't you bring like a nice Korean boy? We we would have settled for a nice Chinese boy, like. Yeah. <laughs>、um, but but they were like very welcoming and、uh, and like Dan was very similar to like Stephen. He like tried a lot of things and like because of that, like my family was like, yes, we approve. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all things told. I mean, Darius's Persian family or Iranian family. I get too conflated. I apologize, but Darius's family、um, in Iran is they're they're a super loving family. They're super close,、yeah. a very loving family,、yeah. and、uh, that is something that Darius gets、uh, emotional about because you know they're taking they they have that big、uh, Iranian Christmas. Yeah, like it's not Christmas, but it's Christmas like where you have like a family gathering and you have presents and celebrations and. Uh, they're taking like this family photo together, and he's just like, "Wow, my family's big," <laughs> <laughs> and、uh, and like he gets emotional because he's like, "Oh, I like literally the only family he has back in Portland is just him, his、uh, mom, dad, and sister." And it's like, "Oh, I missed out on knowing my family and having." Uh, Like pretty much like having friends because、yeah. like with your extended family you're able to like connect better yeah and that was like really relatable too、um, I'm not sure about your family if it's if it's pretty big or not but we're not super big we lost contact with a lot of people、um, because of the civil war yeah、uh, so my immediate family not that big maybe one uncle three aunts six cousins on my That side,、mm-hmm. my mom's side, three uncles and two cousins on that side. So we're we're not that large, yeah.、Um, but we are very close.、Yeah. Um, but something that I I found very really enjoyable was learning all the、um, Persian like relative names, relative like, names, yeah, yeah. yeah, like how it's like super specific, yeah, yeah. Because that's the way that Chinese yeah, families are. Yeah, that's the、are. way like、yeah. Korean、uh, family titles are. Yeah, like your older uncle on your dad's side. Has a different name than your older uncle from your mom's, mom's side. side, and similar with like the younger aunt or the younger uncle or their spouses. Like,、yeah. and、um, I know most Chinese families know their their paternal grandmother and grandfather is nine nine yeah yeah, but for my family is Anya and Aya, which is different.、Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's different depending on what province you're from or what region you're from too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Um, yeah, that that was like really really interesting as well. <laughs> Just. Because like obviously、uh, like East Asia and like West Asia completely yeah know, they're they're completely different but at the same time there's like so many similarities yeah here are books on bull but we take the broadest definition of Asia I'm <laughs> like I'm kind of sad that we're not drinking、uh, like tea right now because、right. it would have been so good that was such a delightful intro to the book is seeing how. Meticulous Darius is with tea, and how he like he's so over this second-rate tea shop that he's working on. Like, oh, Tea Haven! <laughs> yeah, he wants to work for Rose City Teas, which has the best tea leaves. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and then wasn't the owner was like a, a Filipino man, right? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I like when 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 I read the first chapter, I was like, man, this pretentious little high school, <laughs> like, <laughs> this high school tea brat. Uh, because like immediately my my thought went to、um, the second season of American Vandal because、uh-huh. like the one of the main characters who's like super weird like he's really into tea and he <laughs> like and he's like so pompous with like the right way to drink tea and stuff and then it's just like so immediately art, my my mind went went there but I heard that Adib Koram the author is also a very like.、Um, Like a tea enthusiast, so he he like buys tea leaves from like very small producers,、yeah. and you know he has like the high mountain of high mountains of Taiwan or、yeah. whatever. It,、um, it's funny how like tea is a thing in Asia. Like yeah, like we all drink different teas, but like the love of tea, like the way it's kind of integrated into our daily lives. It's, yeah, it's the same. I mean, it was integrated into British life, and that's why they went to war with us、yeah. for our tea. Um, and in return, they gave us opium. Thanks, yeah, thanks, thanks, colonizers. Yes,、um. <laughs> it's because they can't grow anything on their own. We we had all the good stuff. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I found that super because I have a friend um, who also really got into tea a couple years ago, and we had we had long conversations of her explaining to me like the intricacies of tea and how like it all comes from the same plant, but it's how you prepare it, yeah, and how you like boil it and how you steep it, and yeah. just like. <laughs> Um, I liked how his family was also like pretty pretentious about tea as well. Yeah, <laughs> like his his grandfather being like, like, what is this fancy tea that you got us? <laughs> like, this is the way you brew like Persian tea. Right. The, the what, what do you mean that you're smelling the tea leaves? Just toss it in. And like, <laughs> oh, speaking of tea, I really loved all the food in this book. Mm. Every book that I have loved has had like really good details about food and and like reading this book i was like oh. uh, i was like i want i want desserts and yeah because <laughs> like apparently you're like, like lolly <laughs> apparently like persians really like sweets and i'm like oh man i don't even like sweets that much but i i am craving for uh for all these desserts like i really wanted to try um like their sorbet yeah. dessert uh faludae Follow, yeah, 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 and I was like, "Man, that sounds so good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was interesting because I didn't know that like cotton candy came from like like Persia originally, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, interesting." I guess a lot of desserts did come from there. There's a reason why the Silk Road was such a coveted, you know, trade route because it it, it brought all the good stuff to Europe. Who you know, yeah. you know they. Like we said, they there wasn't really no. We we had the goods. We had the luxury, like we had the spices. We had the, the, tea. Por- the tea. We had the porcelain, the art. We uh, invented a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> yeah. that got taken. You're welcome, world. Welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so we've we've gone about. I don't even know how long we've gone without talking about the other major. Oh yes, yes. In the story. Sorry. <laughs> But that that's kind of what happens. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on Sarab? I I liked him. He was kind of a a, a little jerk in well, in that one scene. End. But you know that's understandable. Yes. You know, um, and that's you know how friends how friends work sometimes is friends know where friends know where to make you hurt the most, mm-hmm. right? But overall, like I, I like that he went out out of his way to make. Darius feel welcome. welcome and part of it is probably and, and Darius did mention that he felt a little bit of jealousy that Sarab was able to grow up with his grandfather and know more about his yeah. family and yeah and stuff like that but you know he's a close family friend he's the son of his mom's best friend right yeah from her, her his mom's childhood best friend and uh I think I don't I, I think I think that was also like relatable to the diaspora experience yeah. you know especially when you have family like grandparents who live abroad and you're like yeah. well there are people there who are more of their grandkid than i am their grandkid yeah and i, I think you know from his from his side like here's here comes a kid who's his own age who is he's probably heard about his entire life mm-hmm. right and it 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 made sense that he was really excited to see like syrup seems the type of guy who just wants to make sure that you have the best time here yeah so you have like good memories to to bring back right i like there was a quote that i really liked and i wrote it down uh it's when darius admits that you know he's kind of sad that he didn't grow up with his extended family Mm. and didn't grow up like knowing his heritage and all that and uh comforts him by saying your place was empty before but this is your family. You belong here. And I was like, oh, yeah. what a soft boy. Two soft boys. <laughs> Two soft boys. They're so precious. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really, the friendship between Darius and Sarab, like it was so, I don't know, like tender and and like there was so much empathy in this book. And like, I really love the fact that Sarab, like, instead of being, like, super judgmental towards uh, Darius's mental health mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of, you know, asking him to change and, you know, like, change his interests and, like, change him to becoming more Persian or whatnot. Like, Sarab tells Darius that he's enough. And um, he actually admits saying, like, I'm really, 
I admire you because you know who you are and you don't change yourself in order to fit other people's needs. Yeah. And um, and I just really liked how this book was about a character who feels like he doesn't fit in anywhere. And here comes this person that he clicks with almost immediately and makes him realize that he's actually a cool person. Like yeah. makes him realize that he has... Um, he has soccer skills. Yeah, he has soccer skills. He has like kind of renewing his confidence. And, you know, that is something that like a lot of I feel like a lot of YA books, it's the focus on relationships are like romance. Yeah. So it was really nice to see a book that was like based on such a strong friendship and also, you know, other relationships. There was so much love in this book. Yeah. And. He mentions how much he loves the people around him a lot. He, he loves his sister. He loves his parents. Um, he even loves Sarab for like being a good friend. And it's very like, he's very in his emotions, right? In his feelings. Yeah. 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 I like one scene that I thought was kind of like weird was when they're taking the, the shower, shower scene. scene. And yeah, <laughs> and then like they make fun of Darius because he was like not circumcised. Yeah, that was kind of sad. And I was like, oh, is that like something that happens but i guess like it's an like it's america so it's just like it doesn't really matter all that much i think i think circumcision is more common it's more common but it's but it's like not like unheard of like (laughs) but i thought it was really funny and also sad because they like give him a nickname for for being different and i liked how sarab like never um like he apologized for like laughing at him and saying like oh it was nice to like not be the one who was like the target um, yeah. jokes. And it's like, yeah, that's like uh really understandable and um But he, he turns it on his on its head later yeah. later on. Well friends know where it hurts the most. And I guess there's always like that thought in the back of your head being like, oh, I, I can say the most awful things to my friends because I know that they will forgive me in the end. Whereas you can't say those things to yeah. uh to to just like regular normal people. Yeah. And I think something that um Darius does come to terms with through his interactions with Sarab and his, the friendship that grows is kind of comes to terms with his own privilege too, right? Of having grown up in a place where you didn't have to worry about you know, cuz Sarab's father is a political prisoner, right? Yes. Yes. I liked yeah. how it briefly touched on that, how yeah. like there is, you know, unfair um imprisonment for absolutely no reason and uh yeah like they're like just as you were surprised with like oh there are people with iphones and like grocery (laughs) shopping so there were just like moments where like oh there are parts where um it's like oh this is not america (laughs) like like same like it was one of those scenes was when he is when he lands in iran Mm -hmm. and he gets pulled over by tsa and yeah. And they're like, why do you have medication? What is this for? Yeah. Oh, people don't get depressed here. Like, they or just. It's like, what do you have to be sad about? What do you have to be sad about? I fucking hate that question, <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah. Like, and then, like, the same thing with his grandfather being mm. like, oh, like, why do you take pills? Just go play soccer and you'll be fine. Like, yeah. You just have to, like, have a lot of um, fresh air. And it's. It's like a very outdated way to look at mental health. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, right. Like America, like <laughs> we did some things correctly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, his, his mother does warn him about it. Like they don't have the same awareness of mental health as, as we do here. And I mean, I think if it wasn't for his grandfather's illness, they probably would have never gone mm-hmm. anyways. Right. And that's, that, that's, I mean that's sad, but yeah. yeah, probably true. And you know that's a that's a sad undercurrent for the entire story. Is like this is probably the one and only time that Darius will ever meet and talk to his grandfather. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he has like, like brain a very tumor. advanced brain tumor that is you know, and it it was really sad to see how it was affecting his grandfather's personality. Because right, everyone's yeah. like, this this isn't him. This what this isn't how he. Yeah, and then like with is. with Darius, it's like that. Like, well, this is the first time meeting him outside of like my computer screen, yeah. and I don't really know what he is other than the person he is right now to me. 
And that just kind of adds on to the sadness of, oh, I like I don't know my family. I don't really fit in. Yeah. And, uh, it was it was super relatable and also very sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what drives a lot of the like the feelings is the parents coming to terms with like what they what they pass down to their to their children, right? Mm-hmm. Also, um, like the another sweet scene was like the mom going through all the photographs mm-hmm. and uh, you know, mom the mom is telling Darius stories about growing up in Yazd and how like her her father like had to like piggyback her mm-hmm. and how she says, Oh, my dad used to be so strong. And like the realization that like, he's not the dad that, you know, she knew growing up and yeah. it's like really, really, really tough, but that's the part of, you know, life and yeah, being a parent up. and losing a parent and yeah, all that. Um, yeah. This, there, there were bits of sadness sprinkled out throughout this book and, I wouldn't say that the ending is sad because it's, you know, like goodbyes are sad, but also at the same time, yeah. like, like it, it didn't drown me in sadness. Like I wasn't like super, like I, I wasn't going to cry that <laughs> like Sarab and um, Darius wasn't, were probably never going to see each other in person again. Yeah. But I, I think the story isn't about that. Right? It, it isn't about saying goodbye to his grandfather's story is about his essentially coming of age, right? It's a coming yeah. of age story and him finding new confidence in who, who he is. Um, and you see that because the last two chapters are take place back at home mm-hmm. where he demonstrates his, you know, newfound or refound, rediscovered uh, soccer skills, right? And totally like dunks on his bully and he, you know, he, I don't know if he came back a different person, but he came back more, less concerned of, more confident in, in like, who he is. Yeah. Right? He he was Frodo Baggins, who, <laughs> <laughs> who climbed Mount Doom and, uh, <laughs> you know, changed, but, you know, came back home. Like, that was, yeah, that was not, the other, that was the other fandom that was sprinkled throughout the book. Uh, not only was he a Star Trek Next Generation fan, but he was a huge right? Tolkien yeah. Fan too. He um, was reading. Oftentimes, it goes hand in hand. <laughs> I'm actually wearing a Lord of the Rings necklace right now. It's oh. the Even Star. Um, yeah, as you can tell, <laughs> Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah. So you can relate to you could you could relate to those references. I could. <laughs> like when he would describe uh, characters uh, as like Lord of the Rings characters, <laughs> I was like, "Yep, I know." Like. It was like immediate, uh, immediate knowledge, right? Like his his friend, that's Samwise. <laughs> his friend is Samwise. Samwise, uh, his bully. Uh, what, what was his name? Uh, I, I wrote it down. Fatty McSomething. Trent Bolger, who yeah. is you know Fatty Bolger, and mm-hmm. and it's just like yes, like I understand. <laughs> like, well, that was the Hobbit that didn't leave, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I think we pretty much touched on all the things I wanted to talk about. Yeah. I um I I enjoyed the story. I thought I thought it was um it was super relatable in terms of being a diaspora American going back to the motherland. Like I think that story like I it definitely resonates. Yeah, and I can, you know, and I learned a lot about Persian history. Yes. Um, and oh, oh, I culture. know what what I I wanted to talk about, and it's, <laughs> and it's really really brief. I mean, it's two things. Uh-huh. Uh, the first one is uh, the queerness. Mm. Um, I I know that this book was uh, kind of marketed as like an LGBTQ like read, mm-hmm. and I completely agree. Um, but I'm sure that there will be readers who are expecting like um, love, you know, like yeah, romance yeah. between a Sarab and Darius. And I guess you can read it that way because there are like a couple of um, scenes where um, Darius is like, "Oh, I love Sarab," and you don't know if it's like. Well, I mean, not just that, but he describes his feelings of being near him and what he admires about him, right? Mm-hmm. So you, I think what it is is he, it's you know it's the beginnings of him developing like 
or recognizing these feelings, right? Yeah. I don't think he ever becomes like fully aware. Yeah, throughout the story, I, I think but... I think it be it could be interpreted in in different ways. Yeah. but yeah, it's definitely a queer book for for me, and I like how it wasn't like full on romance because. <laughs> Because it's just like you have two queer characters, they have to fall in love. Like I, like I think it's it was nice that it was like a it was a friendship novel instead yeah. of like a romance novel. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention was his uncles. They were such jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I like like when they see um, Darius for the first time, they're just like, oh, like. They tap his belly and they're like, "Oh, is this from the medication?" That's. And I mean, that's. I know that's, that's just. I know that's family. A, I know that's like a family thing, particularly an Asian thing, where they're like, "Oh, you gained weight," and they like pinch you, being like, "You can lose weight here and here." It's like I want you to be the best version of yourself. Yeah, but if you're family. skinny, they're like, "Are they feeding you? Is everything okay? I know. Do you need money? <laughs> <laughs> Do you need money?" <laughs> But yeah, I like reading that. I was just like, ah, uh, it's like it's it's a thing that just spreads. Like it's a global thing. It, it's yeah. not just a Persian thing. <laughs> it's like un- all uncles and aunts are gonna say something about your body. Yeah, and it sucks. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to all the aunties out there. I'm an aunt, and I don't do that to I don't do that to my nephews. Just wait till they're older. I don't, I don't think I'm gonna do that. Uh-uh. I will never like. I'm never gonna be the aunt that's like, "Hey, you need to lose weight," or mm. or just like chastise them about their grades and whatnot. Like, I'm I'm not gonna be one of those aunts. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the aunt that's like, "Hey, do you need like." Like, are you going to a party? Like, I'll give you alcohol. <laughs> like, it's like, you can call me whenever, like, you need a designated driver. Say, you're the aunt with, like, the cool video games at your place that they want to come visit. <laughs> but that's, 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 that's next level aunting right there. I mean, the last time my nephews and I hung out, I, like, you know, showed anime to them. So I'm, yeah. I'm you know, gro- cool I'm grooming them well. <laughs> grooming them. <laughs> Which anime did you show them? Um, it's very important. I think it was just Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah they're, they're very young. That's so. a good starter one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well. Oh, uh, one more thing that I want to talk about. Um, it's the difference in names. Um, yeah. Darius is known as Darius in America, and in Persia, he not in per- in Iran, Iran. he's uh, he's known as uh, Dariush. Yeah, I love that um, that Adib was able to. Like write that out, right? So we, mm-hmm. so like we were hearing phonetically what Darius was hearing. I mean, it's it's like a really common thing amongst like Asian diaspora yeah. uh, children. It's like you, I mean, you she, have like an American name, and then you go to the motherland. It's like, oh, I guess like yeah, I have to go by like my well, I'm, I'm my sure Chinese name or Korean name. I'm or sure whatever. you're not Rira in Korea. I'm. It's pretty much the same, though. It's just like the American <laughs> uh, pronunciation of it. Uh, my my Korean name, my full Korean name is Yurira, and mm. you know, it, the pronunciation is different, but it's the same name. I'm not I'm not one of those Grace Kims, okay? Like, <laughs> like, like, like I feel There's... like I feel like one out of four like Korean girls I meet, their name is Grace. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. And and you know names and pronunciations has has actually been a topic of Twitter discussion. Oh yeah, Viet, for the last uh, Viet Nguyen, uh yeah. the author of the Sympathizer, wrote like a really great uh, essay. Yeah. Th- was it on the New Yorker or? Um, I think so. Or, or Time. LA Times. I'm not sure, but yeah. it was it was in like a very big uh, yeah. newspaper and... about names and like kind of the power that they carry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. Like, I apologize in every episode, but, like, I, I do feel really, really bad when I mispronounce or stutter um, yeah. an Asian name that I, like, that I somehow can't get. And I understand because it's, like, the frustration of, like, I want people to be able to say my name correctly. I mean, my name, too. My name is Yue, which is really hard for, for people not used to making those sounds with their tongues. Like, people want to say Yue. People want to say Yu. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
for me, as long as they try their best, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But I will, like, I made a promise to myself to always use the correct pronunciation because the hope is if I, if I use it enough, maybe someday someone will, like, yeah. learn it, right? I mean, usually, like, for, um, for book deals, I try, like, I go mm-hmm. on the author's website if they have one and check if they have, like, a pronunciation guide yeah. or, like, I, ch- I go on YouTube and see if there's, like, an interview. And sometimes, like, I'm too tired to do it, and I'm and I apologize, but I do try my best most of the time, yeah, to like get the correct pronunciation. And I, also, I can't even speak English all that well. So, <laughs> well, I mean, the same way that like my last name is hard for Western tongues to pronounce, even though it's one syllable. Um, South Asian names, I have trouble with it sometimes. Yeah, too, yeah, you know? I'm so sorry, but um, yeah, like Western Indian Middle Eastern names, <laughs> same thing. Like we we try our best. Yes, you know. I mean, there are, like, Polish and German names that I will never get. <laughs> so it's not just, like, an Asian thing. Like, yeah. Like, white people have weird names, too. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of uh, names that we cannot pronounce, I'm afraid I'm going to butcher the author of our next book club pick. Right. What are we reading for the month of April? Um, we are reading Bangkok Wakes to Rain, and that's by Pichaya Sudbantad. I'm hoping that I got that correct, but you, if not, I apologize. You did your best. It's I okay. I did my best. <laughs> um, but this is a brand new book, so warning, like it's only in hardcover. Okay. Um, but I did want to read a brand new book for um, yeah, at, at least a couple times this year. So this is an is an anthology book, or is it's, it, it's uh, not an anthology. It's uh, it's a novel. But from what I hear, um, there are like Multiple viewpoints. Yeah, multiple right? viewpoints, multiple like stories that end up kind of uh, weaving together. Right, it's, so like a, like a Rashomon. Type yeah, thing? it starts from a 19th century Siam to uh, modern day Bangkok. Okay. And then it goes beyond that, apparently. Oh. Um, so uh, what people have been describing it to me, it's, it's kind of like Haruki Murakami. Uh, in, in like, <laughs> I, I love that we're like I don't know on the periphery of Hiroki Murakami, but never actually reading any Hiroki Murakami. Okay, so he, <laughs> here's the thing: um, for for um, Asia, Asian American like Pacific Heritage mm-hmm. Month, uh, which is in May, um, we're probably going to read like a book by a Pacific Islander mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like. It's about ta- it's about time. We we introduce we, try, yeah. we introduce this podcast every episode as this is a book club and podcast where books by Asian and Asian American authors. And you know, like in the beginning, I did want to introduce more uh, Pacific Islander yeah. books, but the problem is like like accessibility. Like I can't seem to get my hands on a lot of these books. Um, but we're we're gonna try for May, but for um, June. We are going to read a Ruki Murakami book. We're going to... Are we? Is I'm it finally gonna, time? I'm going to put out a poll <laughs> and people are going to vote for which Ruki Murakami that, that novel that we should read, except right. for Norwegian Wood. I'm taking that one out. Like, <laughs> that book is way... Like, from what I hear, it's too depressing. I can't. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, that is going to happen. So prepare yourselves. Yes, dear listener, you you know us by now. So you should probably have a good idea of the type of story that we would enjoy. Yes. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see. And don't pick one that is like 700 pages. I know that there are like really thick Haruki Murakami novels. I mean, we can't control what they pick. I'm begging. (laughs) (laughs) Don't pick the really thick ones. Like we want to have something that is... A good introduction to Haruki Murakami's <laughs> works. Yeah. Um, I know that we had one Goodreads uh, comment for um, for Darius the Great is not okay. So oh, yeah. If, yeah. Um, if you want to open that up. Yeah, thanks to our book club member, Julie, um, of 3 by 5 Books. Uh, I mean, she, she pretty much mirrors a lot of our our thoughts that it was great to have a more breezy read after after the denseness of um of grace of kings she wrote it's neat to have a story set in contemporary iran the country's geopolitical position starting with Mossadegh and the coup tends to outshine both its history and its present as an american i'm not aware of street level details definitely spend some time on wikipedia figuring out what wind catchers look like and how they work the main cast is in one way or another 
all part of religious minorities there, which adds an interesting perspective on what it means to be Persian. We get all these layers through Darius, who rarely feels comfortable anywhere due to his depression and fractional Persian status and family dynamics. How could I be a tourist in my own past? Is a succinct quote. Thank you, Julie, for leaving that very thoughtful. Yeah, we uh, didn't really、comment. talk much about him being. Well, we did kind of talk about him being mixed, but not. Not not really. Yeah, but in. You guys, we can't cover everything. <laughs> <laughs> If you have thoughts about that, please please sound off on Goodreads. Yes,、um, I want to thank Rira again for choosing this great book for us to、uh, follow up on the、uh, the six hundred page yes epic that was a Grace what, of Kings. What can I say? I pick them so well. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, and thank you all for listening to this episode, of Books and Boba.、Um, a quick announcement:、um, If you do listen to us,、um, try listening to us on the. Radio Public app. We just signed up for paid listens,、uh, which、uh, you might hear a little ad before or after the podcast. But for every, I think for every thousand listeners we get through that app, we get a little something back、um, that will definitely help us with the costs of running this podcast,、uh, which there are some.、Um, so if you can, please、um, give us a listen on Radio Public. It would really help us out. Thanks again to Visual Communications for letting us record this in their space. This podcast was recorded at the Potluck Podcast Studios, located within the Visual Communications offices. If you're in LA, check out their upcoming Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, which is taking place the first week of May. There's gonna be a lot of great Asian American films that will be screened here, including their opening night film Yellow Rose, starring Leia Salonga. And if you don't know who that is, shame on you. <laughs> Uh, you can learn more about them by going to the website vcmedia.org.、Uh, thanks also to the Potluck Podcast Collective for letting us be a part of their great network.、Uh, the Potluck Podcast Collective is a great network of Asian American podcasts.、Um, check out all of our shows by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Oh, and、um, our fellow member Quincy, he posted a really interesting episode about Claudia Kishi, the.、Uh, Oh yeah, Asian character in、uh, Babysitters Club. So if you have not checked out that episode, check it out on Asian Americana. Yeah, and on that note, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to DC and beyond.、Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics. Representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts, or at theycallsbruce dot com. Peace, peace.